So I'm Kendi Easley, and I was the executive pastor here at Bell Press until last October. It was very fun. Um, Thank you. It's just amazing to be back. So tender and so emotional. I love this church, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to preach today. I am now the executive pastor at another church, and I want to tell you about some of the things that are the same and some of the things that are different, just as we get started. So uh, it's about the same, I'm in the same role as executive pastor over about the same number of people, only they're spread out between six locations in the greater Seattle area. So they never meet even on the same campus. It's kind of all over the place. The senior pastor also, like here at Bell Press, likes to carry a beverage with him just about all the time when he comes up to preach. Here, Scott Dudley has usually a, some sort of uh, bottled water. There, uh, Richard Dahlstrom has a cup of coffee, constantly a cup of coffee. Um, It is the same idea that we have a leadership group that's elected by the whole congregation. Here at Bell Press, that's called the session, and I've been a Presbyterian pastor for basically decades, and I'm used to having a session with elders. There, they have a council with council members. So I kid you not, I think of you every time I hesitate to say the word council, and oftentimes it comes out session. I'm just used to that. It is the same message. It is the same Bible. It is the same God. And I would even dare to say it is the same teaching that even is close to what we're looking at today. This series that Bell Press is in is called, But What Does It Mean? And today's word that we're going to look at is evangelism. So last week, I was uh, invited uh, into leadership because there weren't quite enough people to substitute for the needs in Kids Summer Adventure. Now, Kids Summer Adventure is very much like Vacation Bible Adventure. Same thing. In fact, it was so similar, it was the same curriculum. About It was called Cave Quest, and I was a guide. Leaders over there wear lanyards just like here. So there I was um, with this third grade group that I had popped into because they were short on some leaders, and the kids were in the balcony, and they were having their lesson, and the whole balcony was darkened, kind of like this room is, and the teacher was teaching about Jesus saying that he was the light of the world, and she had this little... um, fake votive candle, you know, with the battery so you don't burn down the place, right? And she lit it up, and she put it over here, and she said, now, if Jesus is the light of the world, would we want to put a bushel basket over that light of the world? And of course, the kids are like, no, and they're squirming all over the place, and they're turning backwards, and I'm thinking, like, she's having a hard time holding on to this group here. And then she said, Jesus said that we are to be the light of the world. And all of a sudden, this third grade girl flipped around, raised her hand, got called upon, and she said this, I'd like to tell my friends about Jesus, but they don't believe me, they believe other things. So then I don't want to talk about him anymore. What should I do? I mean, wow, right? She was listening, you know, and she was asking the very question that we're asking today. And the teacher responded super kindly, and it's going to take me all the sermon long to get to what the teacher said. This candle reminds us of what? Light of the world. Here at Bell Press, we like to light them, especially at 
Christmas time. It's one of the most beautiful moments, right? When the candle comes from the Christ candle and it comes down the aisle and the first person takes it, does the first person take it and say, thank you very much. I just love my candle. I'm so happy to have a candle. It would kind of be disappointing, wouldn't it? If that was all there was. The light gets passed from person to person and it's this wonderful silent night moment, literally, when the sanctuary starts to light up because everyone's candle is burning. So the scripture that I want to look at today in depth is when the angel says in Luke chapter 2, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. Could we use some of that today? Okay, the other night I came home from a late night meeting and I was talking to my husband Tyler and he commented about the fact that we had visited Nice, France and how, what a beautiful place it was and how relaxing and that we'd been to the open air market and I'm thinking this is all leading up to he's going to suggest a trip to France and how wonderful that sounded. Quite the opposite. He told me what had happened at Nice. I hadn't heard. I, I don't get my news on my phone or on my computer. I kind of rely on my husband, in fact. Maybe because it's a lot of bad news to take. I said, are you sure you're talking about Nice, not Orlando or Dallas or Greece? Or like, It just keeps happening, doesn't it? How do you receive your news? Do you have someone who passes it on to you? Does it pop up on your computer? Do you watch on TV? Do you listen on the radio, Instagram, Twitter? A Welsh proverb goes like this. Bad news goes around in clogs. Anybody here have clogs? They're kind of noisy. You, you know when someone's coming, if they're wearing clogs. But good news in stockinged feet. Good news travels quietly. What are some of the moments you've ever received good news? One of my favorites was when I was a senior in high school and I was coming home every day right on time to find the, what was in that mailbox because I was hoping for that big fat envelope that said, you're accepted, and eventually it came. I remember when I was working here at Bell Press and my husband and I had put in for an adoption on June the 28th and on July the 1st, someone comes running in from the office, I think it was Diane Krim, and she said, Kendi, there's an adoption attorney on the phone, have you applied for an adoption? And I said, I have, and I began a nine-day pregnancy. He was born, that was July 1, he was born July 10, we brought him home July 12. It was amazing news. Just a couple months ago, Scott Dudley called me and said, Kendi, I have good news. We have a new executive pastor. It's Annie Duncan. And I rejoiced. It's so exciting to me that God has raised up this leader. What an amazing thing. Kind of confirmed to me that God's call to me was something new. I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking. God just did a new thing. And he's, he's using me and my gifts and really what you all taught me over there. And he's raising up Annie for right here. It's really exciting news. So how about you? Have you gotten some good news? Maybe recently, maybe a long time ago. Think the wheels are turning. Have you ever received good news? Okay, how many of you think you might have ever received some good news? Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell them one piece of good news that you have received. Just one piece of good news. (laughs) 
Okay, you're doing well. I see some of you are still thinking there's got to be good news in there somewhere. Some of you have thought of more than one. That's very good as well. You can share more later at home. Okay, what makes good news good? And what is so good about the good news that we're here to talk about today? The first thing that is so good about the good news is who it comes from. This good news that we're talking about comes from God. I bring you. It's, that could almost be the whole sermon right there. God uses a messenger, in this case an angel, to appear to the shepherds to say, I'm bringing you good news. Don't be afraid. There's something good going to happen. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that for us as well? Okay, we're going to find that out. So who brings the message? It's from God. It's God who gives the ultimate, the penultimate good news. It's God, the evangelist, who creates good news. There didn't have to be this news. God created it. God planned it. God made it happen. Do you believe that the message that God has for you is good? That's a statement of faith right there. That you believe that God has a good message. So what's the content of this message? It's good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. It's not sort of good news. It's like really amazing good news of great joy. So let's look a little bit more closely at this good news. It's a Greek word that's evangelion. And the two first letters, EU, mean good. So whenever EU is applied to other things, it's good. And then angelica, message. It's a good message. And this good message, this evangelion, is also called the gospel. In fact, the word used to be used in Greek times for a, a victory or kind of any kind of good news. But because of the use in scripture, it became a, a synonymous with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. So that's why in scripture we have the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, gospel of Luke, gospel of John. Those are the gospels, the synoptic gospels. So these four gospels are witnesses of this good news. What is this good news? The good news is that Jesus is the savior of all people. It's the good news of the grace of God, the good news that the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, it's begun, it's here and now, and it's not yet, it's both. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel that lasts forever. It's an eternal piece of good news. So what is evangelism then? Evangelism is any act of speaking or doing that shares with others the good news, that Jesus loves them unconditionally. What do you think of that definition? Speaking, is it up there? Keep going, next slide. Next slide after that, maybe. Hmm. Keep going, evangelism, lovely, there we go. Any act of speaking or doing, is that new to you? I think we tend to think of evangelism as speaking only. What do you think about including this idea that it's speaking or doing? Can you do evangelism? Would you say on Bellevue Service Day, we're doing evangelism by serving others? 
It's a way of laying down our life, isn't it? When you lay down a day of your life for another person, maybe someone you don't even know, a, a teacher who's just so grateful to have you cut out all the little fish that are going to go around the room in kindergarten. It's also an, a way of life, says this book called Crazy Talk. What do you think about evangelism as a way of life? Does that mean you're out there talking about it all the time? What do you think that would mean to that third grader who asked the question at Vacation Bible Adventure? What would you say to her when she says, I talk about Jesus, but my friends believe something different? Could she live out her belief in Jesus at school? Could she not gossip about her friends? Could she tell the truth? Could she not cheat on a test? Could she be helpful when others aren't? How could she live out the gospel? Could she advocate for something even at her school at her age, or is the gospel for someday when she grows up and understands it in a bigger way? Isn't it for her right now? It's a way of living. So consider Romans 5.8 that was read. God proves his love for us. How does he prove it? Not just with words, with a person in the person of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, in the work of Jesus, and in the death of Jesus. God proves his love. We can see it. it was historically, it happened. And then, even beyond that, he rose and he proclaimed that, that we will too be with him in paradise someday. Would you lay down your life for another person? Maybe you read about this mom in Orlando. She was at the Pulse nightclub. She's 49 years old, the mother of 11 kids. And she was there with her gay son. And when the shooting broke out, somehow at just the right moment, she threw herself in front of her son and she took the bullet, literally gave her life for her child. Can you imagine that God took on the form of a human being, God to whom all the glories of heaven belonged, contained himself in a human form, and gave his life not because we deserved it, not any one of us. Yes, I longed to get into UCLA. I studied okay and got an okay GPA, and I did okay on the SATs, and I did write a whopper of an essay because I wanted to get into that school in the city of angels, Los Angeles. But that isn't how the gospel works. You don't have to apply. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to write well. You don't have to have a beautiful statement of faith. Maybe you just need to say, okay, maybe it's true. Just a grain of faith. And Jesus laid down his life for that little faith as a mustard seed. It's amazing. So consider John 15, Jesus' own explanation of the good news. I'm the vine, you're the branches. We're connected. Greater love has no one than this, than he gives his life for his friends, and so I call you friends. Jesus calls us his friends. He invites us into his mission in this world. So what's the result of this good news? Jesus has done it all, absolutely, but there's, there's to be kind of an ongoing story. What is it? That there will be joy 
for all the people. Great joy for all the people. So who is the message for? It's for all people over all time. Now, how are they going to hear this message, all people over all time? It's certainly not because the first 12 took their little light and said, thank you very much, Jesus. They gave their life, not knowing how it would all end. But they, they bonded with Jesus, and they said, okay, I'll go where you go. I'll surrender. We just sang about it. So the result of this good news, Dale Bruner, one of my favorite biblical theologians, says is twofold. First, we are to make our home in this reality that God's love is for us, that if God is for us, who could be against us? That there's nothing we could do to earn it, and there's nothing we could do to cause it to be taken away. And then second, we're to trust Jesus, to kick back, lean back, like revel in it. And then secondly, we're to have a heart for one another. We're to kick in. We're to lean in. So don't hold it to ourselves, but engage the world. In this book, Crazy Talk, that's kind of guided uh, some of these tricky words that the sermon series is about, it says this about evangelism and apologetics, which is the apologetics is the speaking side of evangelism. There may come a time, beautiful, when, I'm not used to PowerPoint, another difference at the new church. There may come a time when you have to explain to people why you believe, for instance, that God exists, that Jesus is God in human form, that God in human form was crucified like a common criminal, that Christ was raised from the dead, and that because of it all, your sins are forgiven, and you too will one day live with Christ for all eternity. There may come a time when you need to say what you believe. And then Richard Stern says this, that there's a hole in that gospel. He says it this way. In our evangelistic efforts to make the good news accessible and simple to understand, we seem to have boiled it down to a kind of life insurance, a ticket to the next life. There's a problem with this limited view of the kingdom of God. It's a gospel with a gaping hole. Christianity is a faith that was meant to spread but not through coercion. God's love was intended to be demonstrated, not dictated. It is God, not us, who works in the hearts of men and women to forgive and redeem. Do you believe it to be true? Okay, take out your card now. You've got your, um, your share card. I don't know how you did on the quiz. I'm not going to measure you. I just want you to use the back. Okay, take the back of your share card. Get out your little pencil. And in .0 minutes, I want you to draw a line. And on the top part of your share card, write a few things that you consider to be true about Jesus. Does he set the captives free? Is he a key? Is he the lifeboat? Is he living water? Is he the bread of life, the rescuer, the healer, the truth, the way? Is he God's love? Is he the great physician? Is he an adoptive parent? Is he a creator of community? Okay, now on that bottom half, just bring to your mind, how would you advise that third grader to live out that good news? How does this faith that you have shape your life Jot a note or two. 
We just sang about surrender. All I am is yours. How is that true for you? Is it true for your time, for your finances? Is it true for your calendar? So as we wrap up, and you can finish writing, let's remember this, that God is the evangelist. It's not up to us. That our role is to proclaim and embody the gospel so that others can see and hear and feel God's love in tangible ways. We can trust God to draw people to himself. All we need to do is let our light shine. Please pray with me. Our God, we desire to be a people who live into hope. We desire to be the presence of Christ in the world, and yet we are so tempted to just hold on to this good news as good news for me, as good news that I can hardly hold on to, that I barely believe. And instead, our God, I ask that you would allow us to live into this good news, that we would be the salt of the earth, that we would be the light of the world, that Belpress would be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So come, Lord Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, may it be so. Amen.